Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Irona. And I'm Robert. And we're both advanced certified life coaches who met during our certification program. Through our coaching sessions, we connected as parents from two different perspectives. Robert is the parent of adult children and myself, the parent of a five-year-old. We've both recognized that the role of parenting never stops, but it does change. In fact, it has to change. If we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, we will remain with our children long after we're gone. What makes this podcast unique are the parenting experiences and perspectives that each of us bring to the table, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode will explore a different topic related to parenting, and we hope to give you, the listener, some insights and takeaways on how you can relate this to your experiences as a parent. So today's topic, today's topic is all about competency. Competence, and, yeah. Yeah, competency. And the way the, the way that Robert and I have created an, an understanding of competency is the difference between competency and, and independence is independence is the ability to do something on your own. Competency is in the how you do it on your own. And your level of competency is going to change over time. And of course, with the advent of technology and all the changes, definitely competency and the way that we learn the how to do something has changed along with it. And in fact, we see that there's a difference in both our parenting and the ability to parent your children with that competency, especially if you don't know so well how to Google something and your exactly. kids know better. Yeah. Um, but that's that's really where we're going today because competency it, it matters in how you help your children learn the how to develop their independence, the how to do the things independently for themselves. So how do you do that? Like let's let's go let's go with the your your five year old, your adorable little five year old. What do you do with a five year old when we're talking about Competence, and we generally think of it kind of on an adult level. So, how do we think yeah. about that for a young one? This is so important. So, a lot of people don't realize this. One of the um, early childhood domains for um, early childhood development is called self help adaptive skills. Self help adaptive skills are things like learning how to get yourself dressed, learning how to make yourself um, food, learning how to put your shoes on, learning how to uh, open and close the door on your own or even buckle your seatbelt, things like that. Uh, and that's all in line with getting becoming independent. But how well do you do it is different when it comes to competency. So, you know, with Connor, one of the things we've been recently doing is he uh, he's hungry and he wants to eat something. And I've been having him really come into the kitchen with me and help get the things out he needs to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a Nutella sandwich. Cause that's what he loves. <laughs> so, you know, I was upstairs the other day and he was downstairs in the living room watching a little TV and playing. And I hear him run to the kitchen and I hear him pull his, um, he has this, uh, little ladder thing, this little step ladder thing. And I hear the ladder pulling across the kitchen floor. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he's up to. And I called out to him I'm like, Connor, what you up to? And he's like, I'm making myself a sandwich. Okay. And it was so cute. And I'm like, all right, here's a moment 
for a lot of parents of young children to either freak out and be like, oh no, they're going to break things. They're going to drop the glass of the, the mm-hmm. jar of jelly. They're going to, I got to mm-hmm. do it for them. I got to do it for them. Here's a moment where you need to slow yourself down and come in calmly and say, Hey, that is so awesome. That is great that you want to make your own sandwich. What do you need? Oh, you need your knife. And he has like his own knives and stuff you need. And now, Whereas my husband or my mother-in-law sometimes will be like, but he'll cut cut himself. I'm like, he's learning now. He's learning this stuff. Don't take the skill away from him because you're worried about his safety. So this is something I tell a lot of parents. You can supervise. And if something happens, you can swoop in. You can do what you need to do to adjust if there's a crisis, you know, if they cut themselves or something of that nature. But you also, at a certain point, have to trust in their ability to want to build their level of competency sure. and independence. Because if you're, if you don't allow them that trust, they will never feel competent and capable to be able to do these things. Yeah. You know, so the end result is he made himself a very messy sandwich, you know, and then he said, I don't think I can finish spreading this. Can you help me finish spreading this? And I said, sure. And I finished helping him with the spread and he was very happy and he took his plate and he went into the other room to sit by his little table. All good. And it makes me feel so proud that he is willing to dive into that to try. Mm-hmm. Because especially because he's a perfectionist. And I'm going to tell you this for parents who see their kids <laughs> being little perfectionists. Mm-hmm. This is an important one. When you see your kid getting frustrated because they can't do something, you swooping in to do it for them demolishes their their competency and their desire for independence even more. Mm-hmm. So when they're frustrated, you have to help them deal with the frustration and help them see that thing through. No, not necessarily the skill they're working on. Right. And yeah. so that and that builds their their does their awareness that they are competent and capable of doing this thing Mm -hmm. right i love the sandwich story and i I wanted to say before i use it as a segue the the, one of the most important things i think you said in that story was he got to the point where he knew he couldn't do anymore and he asked for help and that's one of the things that we talk about or that we want in our kids is like we want you to know when to ask for help and a lot of our, you know, you see a lot of people that get to that point and they don't know that, that A, you can ask for help, but they keep, they fight and they fight and they fight and they try and they try and they try and they Google like a Google and they Google. At some point, you got to just call the plumber, right? And you got to know when to call the plumber so yeah. that so the tail, so the other side of what you're talking about is not just the competence to make a sandwich, but to know when I can't make a sandwich. Right. True. And I love the sandwich story because when I taught science, I I often use this uh, in class as a way of helping kids understand the complexity of simple tasks. And I would say, tell me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And of course, they were sort of like, well, you you know, you take jelly and you take peanut butter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd you get the jelly? Oh, okay. You got to go to the store to get the jelly. And like, oh, where'd you get the? What are you going to put it on? You know, um, and it just it just paused them to to think a moment. And that's my segue into how this plays out as an adult when you're trying to help your kid, let's say, hang pictures on the wall or 
you know, they ask you how to change out the garbage disposal or how to change the filters in the, in, in the pool or the whatever, or what to do something with the grill or something around the house or with their car or lawnmower or whatever. That's, it, it, it assumes that there's some very small things in place already. If my, if my son or my daughter comes to me and says, Hey, I need to put something on the wall. I assume that they know how to use a drill or at least a screwdriver. And if it, this is weird. So many people out there don't know how to use a screwdriver mm-hmm. because they don't have an opportunity necessarily to use a screwdriver. Yep. So I just want to highlight the the little things along the way. And I, in confession, I don't know how many times I did. Sometimes I was very aware of, I'm deliberately not going to do this. I know exactly how to do it. I know how to do it quickly and efficiently, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to watch them fumble. But I will confess that there were a lot, uh, you know, there are probably smaller times when I wasn't conscious of trying to teach them how to be confident. Um, I was just letting them experiment with a screwdriver or a hammer, a hammer, the ability to use a hammer. Oh my gosh. Um, and the claw into the hammer, the correct way, you know, not as a hatchet, but it's <laughs> right. <laughs> whatever. But um, we all improvise on how to use tools. I get. It. I do the same thing that's, myself. That's but true. Nevertheless, there's a proper way to use tools, and there's a proper way to not, you know, an improper way to use tools. So um, I just wanted to highlight that along the way, all the little things that you're talking about add up right. to become confident and bigger things later. You know, it's funny. I was, when you think about it, there are things you're constantly learning to create, to, to make you more competent. I, I'm literally, I, I'm, I'm going to be 48 this year. And I, for the first time, fig- found out that like that little, that the claw on the other end of the, the hammer, you could actually just stick the nail or the screw in there to hold on to it while you're, while you're like, you know, getting ready for the next, you know, screw and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So now I knew, know something more. So there's always room to grow and, and level up your competency in something. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's never a stopping point if you, if you want to keep learning, if you want to keep getting, getting more and more competent in something, you know, when, when people are competent at their jobs, it's because they've had periods of growth and learning it's not because they just automatically knew how to do it right right. when your child is getting their very first job they're not necessarily going to know anything but the more competent they are that they feel that they even if they don't know the logistics they can learn the logistics Mm because that's a thing about competency that a lot of people forget like when I was younger, my mother decided she was going to retile the whole bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, do you know how to retile a bathroom? <laughs> no, but I'll figure it out. And that was always my mother. You know, she taught us how to change the oil in our car, three girls, you know, because you need to know how to do it. That was her attitude because you should know how to do this. And it made me now, does that mean I change the oil in my car? No, I don't have the desire to or the time to. So I take yeah. it. And it get it done. And that's okay. So competency can also play a role when it comes to deciding whether or not you are going to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that, you know what? Getting past that fear of like, 
I know nothing about this and therefore I don't want to know anything about this because it's so overwhelming. That's competency in and of itself. Mm-hmm. The ability to say, Hey, you know what? I, I am so afraid to learn how to do that thing that I'm just never going to learn how to do that thing. Like, let's say cooking for yourself, you know, right. when kids go off and they first start into college or they first start into, you know, they're living on their own and stuff like that. Do they know how to cook for themselves or are they going to be ordering out? Can, so the independent aspect of, can I feed myself? Yes. Can Mm -hmm. I feed myself well, Mm -hmm. or do I have the desire to feed myself well and therefore build healthy, a healthy relationship with food is a different dynamic altogether. Absolutely. What, what we're talking about here is bypassing that fear of not knowing something into, I am going to learn. I don't know this, but I'm going to learn it so I can build the skill and develop Mm -hmm. my level of competency. Okay, I can't make gourmet meals, but you know what? If I can make scrambled eggs and pasta and, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, a hamburger and steak, whatever it may be, you know, whatever they want to eat. But if I can eat eat the basics and, Mm -hmm. you know, make a healthy meal with a salad and a this and a that, okay, I'm good, you know? And don't forget bacon. And bacon. Don't forget bacon. Don't forget bacon. If you love bacon, don't forget bacon. But it's, it's funny because, you know, the more Connor jumps into the kitchen, like the other day, uh, I w- we were baking something in the oven. Um, we had put something together and, um, Carl and the three of us were in the kitchen together and we went to put it into the oven. I think it was cookies. Maybe we were making together. And Carl said, Connor, come over here. And he wanted him to come close to the oven, but not mm-hmm. stand too close because he wanted him to feel how the heat is out and why we need oven mitts and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, that was growth for my husband in that moment because previously it was always just stay away from the oven, stay away from the oven. And now he gotcha. was finally saying, I trust my son enough to know that if he, that he's got to have his listening skills on to be able to hear what I'm saying. Stand far back because you'll stand this far back because you're going to burn yourself, but you need to stand close enough to feel that heat coming off. That's hot. Mm-hmm. That can hurt you. And here we're going to teach you the proper things to do to get the thing into the oven so that it cooks in the oven. The other side of that being the parent that just says, I mean, they're sitting there watching their kid get close to the oven like, well, you know, he going to touch it. And he's going to learn the hard way, you know, or, or he's going to stick his finger in that socket. And he's going to figure out that that's so there's a balance there, right? There's a balance there. I would not do that personally. I do know that some parents are built in the hard knocks attitude. Yeah. But the truth is, I'd rather teach my son things with knowledge in my head first. Right. Tell him these things that he can learn and then let him get hands on opportunity to learn and then because there's that, there's, there's that, I think I've said this before, the theory of I can't, mm-hmm. uh, which is when your child says to you, I can't do this. There are usually three things sur- surrounding this. And this really goes to competency too. I don't have the knowledge of how to do that thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have the skills, meaning I haven't put the knowledge into practice mm-hmm. or I don't have the desire to, I don't want to. Right. And if you are a parent who has constantly been doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing for your children and saying, oh, uh, what are you doing down there, Connor? I'm making myself a sandwich. Oh, no, no, no. I'll come make it for you. Mm-hmm. What does that do in that moment? It tells him he shouldn't have to do it for himself. 
it tells him he shouldn't have the even need the desire to do it for himself. And guess what happens eventually? He doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And when you don't want to, and you lack the motivation, you really remove a life skill that is needed. Yeah, the agency. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good point. You know, I was thinking about all these little things, and we think about, you know, making a sandwich is about uh, having a complete sandwich at the end so that I can eat it. But much like the example that I use in class, we forget all the little things that go into it. Making a sandwich is about how to wield a knife. Making a sandwich is how to judge how much Nutella for Connor is, is an appropriate amount and how much is too much. It's how to hold the bread still, you know, these are, so it includes kind of a thinking thing, but also just like a fine motor skill thing, right? We can't assume that just because a a kid turns 18, that they're going to have the motor skills they need to do what they want to do. I think about growing up playing baseball and all the things that, you know, that went into like, there's a lot of kids, they cannot throw a ball. Yeah, because they've never had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to just throw the ball, not to strike somebody out or to throw somebody out at home plate, just to be able to literally the mechanics of just, you know, reaching, holding the ball and using your arm to throw it are lost on so many people because that opportunity that we had growing up, whether it was in PE class or just playing outside or whatever, is it, it's not that it's not there. It's just not taken advantage of anymore. Think about swimming. How many people mm. don't know how to swim? Me. And a part of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, me. And a part of that has possibly to do with where they lived, where they grew up, whether their parents had a fear or something like that, and or desire to even bring them to a place where they could learn how to swim. Or any of that sort of stuff or the access, right? Because sometimes it's a financial thing. Sometimes competency is about where you are socioeconomically, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so for people who can't hire a handyman to do X, Y, Z, they need to learn those things. For people who can't um, get access to a pool because they're neither surrounded nor by natural bodies of water, nor have the money, the monetary means to bring their children to a place to Mm -hmm. swim. And to teach them how to swim. So sometimes the skills that we li- that we learn are limited based on the circumstances in our life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I go back to competency is also a mindset. Mm. Because if somebody grew up in an area where they weren't surrounded by anything that they where they could get access to, to swimming, but then as they're older, they have uh, opportunities that lead them to end up living in a place where there is swimming. Mm-hmm. Is their fear going to stop them from swimming because they never learned how? Mm. I think about it from also like an older person who goes back to higher education much later in life. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a level of competency there because it requires having the confidence to say, you know what? I I wanted to do this thing for the longest time, but I didn't have the ability, the means, the, you know, any of that sort of stuff. But now I have this fortitude, which is that desire to become competent in this area. And now I am going to do this thing that is fearful that I'm scared of. Yeah. yeah, But I'm going to try it nonetheless because I want to gain a new life skill. I want to gain a new, uh, you know, a new ability. 
Yeah, that's that's a great example, and, and and I mentioned that because you know I'm I'm turning sixty this year, and I don't know how to swim. I can I can f- splash around in a pool, but I will. Uh, it's going to take a lot to get me in a, in a, in water that's over my head because I don't float. You know, at, at the at the level I float about six inches below the the surface of the water, um, and and but. You know, I'm a very good water skier because I'm out of the water. Like I don't have to be in. I'm on top of the water. It's all good, right? But I do have this. Yeah, I, I guess at some level, it is a fear of being in water that I can't see uh, the edges of, yeah. right? Like I can dive and be confident that I can get myself to the side of the pool. Right. Right. That's right. fine. But if you put me in a lake or yeah. someplace like that where I can't see an edge or a, a thing because I just, I just never had lessons growing up in contrast, my wife who was the daughter of a Navy man who had a boat and spent like every, every weekend on the river, on the lake, she was predestined to be a swimmer. Mm-hmm. So when our kids were babies, Holly had them in the pool. She taught, we, she taught them. I had nothing to, I was the transport guy. I drove the car. That's all I did. But Holly had them in the, you know, and she taught them how to swim from a very young age because she didn't want them to have any fear of the water and also have a respect for the water. Right. Yeah. that's So it's a, it's a great contrast in that. And so to this day, I will avoid um, that because I never had the, the, the small things that went along the way that, that even taught me that I, that I could learn to swim. You know, you made me think of something and I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it, but essentially um, I had a, a friend who asked about what I thought about that. It's, it's basically throwing the baby in and, Oof. and what I forget what they call it. It's a particular kind of swim technique mm-hmm. that is like emergency, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. ISR infant swim, infant swim rescue. Okay. Which is where there's this approach of like, essentially it's very aggressive. It's throwing yes. throw the baby in and <sighs> get them to roll over on their back, you know, have them roll over on their back and let them do it, you know, and there's mm-hmm. supposedly a natural instinct and da 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 and all of this sort of stuff. But I will say this, some of the things that I, so I decided I needed to dig into it a little bit more and do a little more research on it. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that psychologically it can potentially produce is learning under duress means there's always a slight association with trauma. So for instance, what to go back to like, oh, the kid's going to get themselves burned on the stove. The kid's going to stick their finger in the socket, get electrocuted, whatever it may be. So that trauma approach is can be detrimental because then it can build a a fear-based approach to something. Do I know how to do this thing? Yes, but I'm also traumatized by this thing. So I'm Mm -hmm. not going to approach it with pleasure or enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. If my son cut himself, if my son, if I, if I said, you know what, he's got to learn how to make himself a sandwich. So I'm just going to let him pick any knife in the the drawer and he's going to pick the sharpest knife and he he slices his finger. We have to run to the ER and then get him sutures that builds trauma bonded relation or I don't want to say bonded, but that builds a traumatic stress response to that circumstance, which means that will he eventually get past that and learn how to make himself a sandwich? Yes. I would help him do that. But 
Do I want him to be traumatically responding to that and yeah, then never yeah, yeah. find pleasure or dr- desire to do such a thing? N- you know, no, I, do- I don't want that. I want for him to be able to live a life where he enjoys what he can, because you know what? There's too much trauma enough as it is. There's unexpected yeah. trauma that comes in so many different ways mm-hmm. that why build, why help a child learn under duress? I say, you know, help them learn in a much more comfortable place where they have the ability to nurture and develop that thing. And you know what? If they find and take pleasure in swimming later in life, it's not going to be from a traumatic response approach. Yeah. And I think it also, it it, it tends to short circuit their their desire later on because if you have if you and you will learn you will learn not to stick your finger in the socket if you stick your finger it's a it's a hell of a lesson but you will also come across things later on that if you don't know what's going to happen and all of your experiences have been negative you know when you when you encounter something new or unfamiliar or strange then you're probably going to start to back off go like oh man i remember when i stuck my finger in that socket and now I'm looking at this thing going like, I don't know if this, you know, changing out this, this, uh, putting the ceiling fan in sure. is the right thing because I, now there are wires exposed and stuff like that. So I'm not going to do it. Okay. Right. You can pay somebody to do it, but you, you, you diminish competence. Again, we've talked about fear and the role it plays has a diminishing effect over time because if that's all you know is that you got hurt. When you tried something new or something strange that, that you didn't know, then naturally your brain is wired to say, hey, you know, last time, you know, the only thing you can relate it to is when you got hurt, you're not going to try it. Right. Say, hey, I could be good at this. You might think I want to be good at this, but my trauma, my fear comes in and says, yeah, but you got hurt the last time you tried that. So you best not try it. Right. And, and you know, that goes to so much with competency is there's a trust level there. Uh, We have to build in this ability to say, you know what? I trust myself enough to try this again. Right. But it's hard to build trust under fear-based situations. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, you know, the parenting style approach of that authoritarian parenting style is uh, you don't need to trust me. You just need to fear me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't build respect with your parents. That doesn't build anything other than, oh, you're an authority figure. Therefore, I need to fear you first and you don't need to respect me. That built, that just, that's not healthy either. So mm-hmm. I, I say, you know, at the same time, we can't do it all for them because again, if we do try to do it all for them, then they may trust us. But they're not going to respect us because they're going to find a place in their lives where we know we, where we're saying we don't trust and respect you. Uh, yeah, or yeah, right. Ability exactly. to do for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. like for instance, uh, when I was in my mid twenties, I drove across the country by myself for um, what was this? Oh, for six weeks. Yeah, I drove across the country by myself for six weeks. Now, this was in the very early era of cell phones. So it was all analog cell phones. And I did have one, but of course, you know, various places in the country, it's not going to work. And when I first started driving, my parents were like, call me every day, you know, call us every day, every day. We want to know where you're at. And then as time went on, they were, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to call you every day, but I promise I'll check in and I'll let you, I'll, I'll send you a message. I'll let you know where I'm at. Mm 
And slowly the reins loosened of like, okay, they were afraid of what might happen to me, but they also had to trust that I had my own back, that I was capable and competent enough to say, I made the choice to do this and I'm stepping into doing this thing that I've never done before. Not, not, not only with somebody else, but I've, I've never done this alone, let alone with somebody else. So mm-hmm. here I am. I'm doing this thing. It's completely out of any comfort zone of our, of our family, despite the travels we had done previously. And they had to trust and respect that I could figure it out for myself. Again, it goes to that the competency of you may not know, but you know how to figure out how to learn what you don't know. Right. Right. So let's talk about that for a, a hot minute here. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we talked about in prepping for this was the generational difference in, in how we learn. You know, we grew up with uh, parents in general that we could go to and ask for different things and advice. And I often use that. Um, my dad, you know, even up until he passed away um, in, in my 50s, you know, I would call and say things. Um, my kids, however, knows first they will they'll Google it. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we have this YouTube thing. Right. And, and everybody who has anything co- reasonable competency at all has something on YouTube that said this is how you change a garbage disposal or this is how you do this. or This is how you do that. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, discernment in the next episode. But there's this there's this change. And, and it's it's sometimes an attempt to short circuit. Yes. The the learning and the development of competence. Um, And as we talked about in the prep, we cannot reasonably fathom that there is a way to short circuit the things that we're talking about, especially as it relates to living and life. You can short circuit and, and, and find tips and hacks and tricks to do, you know, task oriented things, of course how to cut a watermelon the fastest or whatever. Um, and often on TikTok, right. You know, but, but we also, um, it, you have to be careful about that because sometimes competence can only come with time and experience. Right. Right. Not necessarily, you know, some tip or trick or hack. Right. And I really want to talk to that because when I do my parenting work, I tell, um, I tell my marketing team all the time, never use the word tips, tricks, or hacks, because there is no such thing, especially when it comes to parenting. So let's get that straight right here. And now, um, I will never teach people and say, this is a really neat trick you can use with your kid. Mm -mm. That's not the way parenting works. Mm -hmm. So in the honor of, and the effort of parenting skills, which means the, the role that you play in your child's life, you could teach them a hack for, you know, let's say their tire got punctured by something and they need to make it to the, the place to get their tire changed. But okay, here's a quick hack to patch your tire temporarily so you can get to the thing. That's one thing. But when it comes to the development of strategies for how to relate to your children, how to address a behavioral issue, how to all that sort of stuff. There's no such thing as a tip or a trick or a hack because this is one human being working with another human being to become a more well-rounded human being. And we are not perfectly well-rounded human beings either. So you're always working at a, um, at a disadvantage because as a parent, you have your own, as a human, you have your own issues. And from the, from the child's perspective, they have their own 
personality and stuff. So you're always having to learn. It's a constant effort of learning. So it takes effort, but it's not unrewarding. Yeah. But it's effort. You have to be willing and able to put the effort in. Otherwise, you may as well say, you know what? I'll try this today and I'll try that tomorrow and whatever. I don't have time and energy for this. And I really want to stress on that. And I know we're almost out for time, but I, I want to stress that it is so important that when it comes to parenting, that you don't try to overwhelm yourself in the learning process. The best way to do it, I think the reason why people talk about tips, tricks, and hacks is because humans are overwhelmed in this day and age. They're informationally overloaded. They're technologically overloaded. They're digitally overloaded. And as a result, they want to shorten the process on other things because their time span is very limited for learning. So I would say that in, in, in light of and in line of that perspective that we have, that so much is overwhelming about the way we live these days. Reduce other things that are unnecessary and trivial and surface level. If you want to learn, truly learn into invest your energy, your time and your heart into learning how to better interact with your child. And yeah. no, it's not going to be perfect at all times. And that's not to say that, you know, you can't go to people with, you know, for advice or experience and stuff like that, but because that's, that's way we learn that way too, right? We do learn from others, but it is to say that if someone comes to you and says like, here are the 10 tricks to raising a perfectly healthy child run because, you know, that's their experience. They don't know you. They don't know your kid. They don't know your situation, um, and it's very likely, almost, almost assured that that's not going to. It's not going to apply directly to you. Right. It may work fine for them. So it's and it's one of the reasons that in this series we tried not to just come up with a list of here are the ten things that you know you you, you do these and I guarantee your kid will turn out okay <laughs> yeah. um, because it, I can't say that. I mean, I can offer my experience. We can hear your owner's experience. Um, but we don't know how that's necessarily going to play in you in your life. So, yes, Robert and I, our goal is to give you some learning opportunity and figure out, you know, through trial and error, how you can best apply it in your life. So, um, but again, and and before we end on this final note, I will just say that it, you know, what it comes down to when it comes to competency is not being afraid to let your children try in the learning process because i think yeah. that's probably the most important thing we can we can teach you is allow them the opportunity to try to become more competent on their own absolutely and on that note happy parenting people and may the evolution of your parenting skills be ever in your favor always <laughs>